Hello, it's me, Sass and Cellulite. No, that's not my name. It's Caitlin of Sass and Cellulite. Welcome to another episode of Dose of Sass. I recorded this whole thing yesterday and an, an additional episode. And about halfway through, my mic died and I didn't know it until I went to go edit them. Which honestly is a little bit of a blessing in disguise because I will say that I was not in the best mood when I recorded those episodes and they're a little bit all over the place and I wasn't really like loving how it turned out anyway. So I think that was just a sign that I needed to try again. (laughs) So (laughs) welcome to take two of this episode, which I split into two yesterday and I'm not even going to do that anymore. It's just going to be one big episode. So this is part two of kind of my history, kind of my life story. If you didn't listen to the last week's episode, How Are You So Confident? I dive into a little bit of my body image journey, my confidence journey, and some of the milestones from that story time will probably come up in today's episode because what I'm going to talk about today, which is my relationship with food, is very intertwined with my body image journey. Today, I'm going to dive a little bit into my history with my relationship with food what it looks like now. Specifically, I'm going to talk about some red flags in my relationship with food that you can be on the lookout for. And if these sound like you, if they sound familiar and you're like, where the heck do I go from here? I've got tips for you too. So stick around to the end of this episode. I feel like after, after sitting through what I recorded yesterday, I really, I was like relying heavily on kind of this baseline of information that I'm assuming my audience knows. And I just feel like I need to actually repeat some of the assumptions I'm making. If you didn't listen to my very first episode, 26 Hills, I Will Die On, and maybe you didn't hear the premise, the foundation of my current beliefs about diet culture and all of that, I'm going to repeat some of them for you here because it's important having that as baseline knowledge going into the rest of this episode. (laughs) So the first thing I need to make sure that we're on the same page about is that diets don't work. Dieting doesn't work. And if you're thinking, well, yeah, like some of them do. I've definitely, like they've worked in the past. Have you ever wondered why it worked one time and it's never worked again? Because your body realized what you're doing. (laughs) Our body is trying to protect us. Diets have an over 95% fail rate. If diets worked, why are there so many of them with different conflicting rules? If diets worked, why is it a $90 billion industry? The diet culture industry, the diet industry, the wellness industry, the weight loss industry is not interested in your health. Spoiler alert, they're interested in your money. There's a reason they don't work. They're relying on repeat customers. They don't want it to work for you. They want your money. They want you to try it again. And they tell you that it's your fault. You didn't stick to it well enough. You didn't try hard enough. You don't have enough self-control. That's not the problem here. Diets don't work. They're not good for you. And they're not healthy. So that's the baseline information I need you to have going into the rest of this episode. I just needed to like, I just had a feeling that I needed to say that. In case you haven't heard that. And if that is brand new information for you and you're like, whoa, you just opened a can of worms and my life has turned upside down. Keep listening. (laughs) I've got, I've got resources for you. If this is brand new information, then you're like, where do I go from here? So all that being said, I want to touch a little bit on my history with my relationship with food, with diet culture, some red flags to look out for, and then I'll give you some tips for moving forward. So 
If you listened to the body image episode, you'll know that in my sophomore year of college, I switched my major from theater to marketing. Now you might go, what the heck does that have to do with my relationship with food? Well, theater growing up, dance, all of that had been my activity, my way of staying physically active for most of my life. So like anybody who grew up doing something active, whether it was a sport or anything, when you stop doing that, your body's probably going to change in some way. And for me at the same time, I was also increasing my food intake. I had gotten to college. You have all sorts of new autonomy. I was also struggling with an eating disorder I didn't know about yet. (laughs) And uh, at the same time as stopping my activity, my eating habits were way out of control. And I didn't notice that I had an issue until I started to notice that I was gaining weight. And unfortunately, at the time, I saw the weight gain as as the problem when that was just the symptom. So I actually like sought out going to therapy because I was like, clearly my eating habits are out of control. I'm gaining weight. I I don't have any control around food. I feel crazy. And I thought that if I got that under control and I stopped gaining weight and I maybe I even lost weight, then everything would be fine again. I didn't know that actually the problem isn't that my body is changing. The problem is that I've been on the diet restrict cycle my entire life. And that's the actual root of the problem is diet culture, not your lack of self-control, not your eating habits, not your weight gain. So sophomore year of college, I go, hey, maybe what I'm doing with food is not, uh, not normal. Something's up there. Fast forward like three years and I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> maybe I'm not crazy. Maybe this diet restrict cycle is just not what I'm supposed to be doing. And I've just been on a behavior loop that makes no sense. And and so let me share some of the red flags that were going on at the time. Not only was I always either dieting or binging, there was absolutely no in between, but the constant food noise. And by food noise, I mean like constant thoughts about what I should or shouldn't be eating, what other people are eating, what happens if I eat this, will my body change, what what happens if I don't eat this? Should I eat this at all? Should I go to the gym? Should I, how does, how do I look sitting down? How does that person think I look? And, and what if I try this diet? And what if I try that one? Well, that one didn't work. And well, what if I just try one more time? And on a loop constantly, does your brain sound like that right now? If so, you are absolutely not alone. And I promise you it doesn't have to. <laughs> that is not a fun, normal, sustainable way to live. You do not have to feel so consumed by thoughts of food. So all that's going on at the same time, I'm also really tied to the scale. This is another red flag. I would get up every morning and immediately step on the scale after I peed. What that number said, whether it went up or down or stayed the same, determined what I ate, what I wore, how I moved throughout the day, whether I went to the gym my self-esteem. And let me tell you another fact that I hope you already know. Weight does not equal health. The number on the scale doesn't have anything to do with your overall health, your beauty, your worth, your value, how much somebody loves you. Your life does not need to be dictated by the scale. And let me give you a mini challenge. If you still have a scale and you find yourself still wanting to hop on it, maybe not every day, maybe just sometimes. I'm just curious. Here's a, Sorry, I'm going to go on a little tangent here for a second. I Got to a place where I was like, okay, yeah, I know, like, the number on the scale doesn't matter. 
I don't care about the number on the scale, but like, I just want to, I just want to feel better. I just want to look better. You're just fooling yourself. I don't care what the number on the, on the scale says. I don't care what the number on my tag says. I just don't feel good. Be real with yourself right now. Would you convince yourself that you feel good if you were in a smaller size? Probably. Mm-hmm. Cause I would. It wouldn't matter that I wasn't making healthy choices. It wouldn't matter that what I do, what I was doing, wasn't sustainable. It wouldn't matter that my self-esteem was in the toilet. I still achieved a smaller size. No matter if you don't care about the literal number on the scale, but your mood is still dictated by the movement of it, it still has too much power over you. A piece of metal and plastic and probably maybe glass. So that was another red flag in my relationship with food. It's the constant scale monitorization. Another thing is it started to really, really affect my relationships and my social life. I wouldn't go to things if I was worried that I was going to be out of control around food there, if I didn't know what kind of food they were going to be serving there. And maybe I was on a diet at the time and therefore I was afraid that I was not going to be able to follow my rules at that thing. I remember when I was dating Keaton, we would go visit his parents and I would, I would be so nervous about the weekend because are they going to know that I'm on a diet? And what if they serve me something that I can't have? And then what if I go off of it and maybe, maybe I'll just go off of it for the weekend and then I'll just try really hard, like extra next week. And maybe I'll tell Keaton to tell them at the <sighs> exhausting, so exhausting. And there was this pivotal moment that I may have touched on in the body image episode where, and this was kind of my like rock bottom moment in my relationship with food, where I realized that it was not just affecting me. It wasn't just me inside my brain fighting with myself anymore. It was affecting the people around me and it was especially affecting my relationship with Keaton. What happened was in like fall of 2019, we'd been married for like nine months at this point. We had one piece of pie left in the freezer. I had already set my brain, set my mind on having this piece of pie. I told Keaton about it at dinner. I said, hey, I'd love to have that last piece. He said, yeah, no problem. I had thought about it all day. I'd planned for this, right? The diet was going to start Monday. I don't know what day of the week this was, but this was going to be my last piece of pie forever, right? That's what I convinced myself. And after dinner, I get out the piece of pie and Keaton suggests, hey, would you mind if we split it? A completely normal question to ask. And I spiraled, absolutely spiraled at the suggestion that I wasn't going to have everything that I had set my brain on, that I had been fixating on all day. And at first it was an argument about like, why can't I have the whole piece of pie, blah, 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 to, oh my gosh, we're fighting about a piece of pie. What the heck is wrong with me? Why am I so out of control with food? I feel so crazy. I wish it just came easy to me. I wish I didn't have to think about what I eat all the time. And I wish losing weight was simple for me. And I wish this and I wish that. And I wish I just absolutely went down a rabbit hole. And I'm ranting to Keaton about this the whole time. The pie's not being eaten. (laughs) And I get done with my mental breakdown. And Keaton doesn't really say much. And I was like, hello, did you not hear everything that I just said? I'm struggling here and I don't know what to do. And he goes, babe, I'm, I'm really sorry you feel that way. But truthfully, we've had this conversation before. And it's honestly pretty draining and pretty exhausting when we've been having a perfectly normal date night. And now the night is ruined because we're arguing over a piece of pie. And it's like a light bulb turned on in my brain. And I went, oh, my gosh. <laughs> This is not just affecting me anymore. My desire to control so much about my relationship with food, every little thing that I ate, my absolute constant noise about food and body and size and weight 
was not just going on in my head. It was affecting my relationship. It was affecting the people around me. There's another thing that happened when I was in college where at the time I thought I was making a decision for my health and looking back on it, I'm like, oh, I actually was sacrificing my relationships for my disordered relationship with food. I had the opportunity to either continue living with my roommates in my third year and live with them the first two years. They were wonderful. And I had the choice to either keep living on campus with them in a normal dorm or move off campus to an apartment with a kitchen. And I convinced myself that my control over what I ate, my desire to have a kitchen, because if I have a kitchen, then I can be in control of the recipes. Then I can monitor what I eat. And then I can be super stickler and I can, I can make everything super healthy and I can cook all my meals at home and I can do. And if I just control it harder, then I'll succeed. And that was more important to me than maintaining my relationship with my two awesome roommates. And truthfully, our relationship was never the same after that. Because when you stop living with someone, especially when you're in college and you guys have different majors, the chances of seeing each other goes way down. It was a pivotal moment. And looking back, I was like, oh my gosh, I thought I was being little miss healthy Caitlin. And in fact, I was prioritizing my disordered eating over people in my life. And so I had this moment with Keaton and I went, okay, (laughs) maybe the problem is not the piece of pie. Maybe the problem is not my lack of control around food. Maybe the problem is that it, it shouldn't feel this hard. Suggesting to split a piece of pie with my husband shouldn't send me into a mental breakdown. And so I I had this eye-opening moment, and I was in therapy at this point, by the way, where I went, okay, (laughs) something something's gotta change. Because I hate feeling like this. And so at this point, I started to kind of dabble into the anti-diet space. I started to go, maybe what I've been doing for the past seven plus years of my life isn't working. Maybe there's something else out there. I can, this can't be how everybody lives forever. <laughs> and so I started to as and this, if you listen to the body image episode, at the same time, I had a rock bottom moment with my body image where I was like, I'm tired of feeling like this. I'm tired of hating my body. And I don't really know if I can love it, but I just don't want to feel like this anymore. So I started adding in positive accounts. And at the same time, I started adding in anti-diet accounts and following dietitians and learning about, okay, I think I'm struggling with binge eating disorder. And how, how do I get over that? And what that looked like for me practically ended up being a bit more of a formal recovery process. I went into something called the Food Freedom Masterclass, which was an online program by Jesse Jean. I will plug her information in the show notes if that's something that interests you. It was an online group program and involved like group coaching calls and individual work and a lot of journal prompts and a lot of exploring my own relationship with food. Maybe you're not actually struggling with binge eating disorder, but you're on this train of like dieting and not dieting. And is this all there is? And I'm tired of constantly thinking about food and being worried about it. How do I move forward? First, I'm going to tell you quit dieting. If you haven't already, I said this in the beginning, it doesn't work. We are naturally born intuitive eaters. If you've never heard the phrase intuitive eating, it is basically just like listening to your body, (laughs) leaning into your actual hunger and fullness cues and honoring your body's needs without restricting yourself. And when we're born as babies, we know when we're hungry and when we're full. And it doesn't necessarily have a, a normal societal timeline either at first, but somewhere along the way growing up, we learn 
societal norms. We learn diet culture things. We learn meal times. We learn things we shouldn't, should and shouldn't eat. We learn preferences. We learn all sorts of things about how to operate around food. And in that process, we get out of touch with our body and our natural cues. And so intuitive eating explores getting back in touch with your body and listening to your body. So step one, quit dieting. And here, and here's the thing. Maybe you're not, maybe you're not on a diet. Maybe you're like, well, I don't actually restrict anymore, but I'm talking about mental restriction. That's the hardest thing to let go of is if you still go, well, yeah, I, I know I'm allowed to have that, but like, I still feel really guilty when I do. If you still are absolutely agonized when you go to the grocery store because you're worried about your food choices and whether or not they're going to be good or bad, there's still mental restriction going on there. And it's the hardest to identify truthfully. So maybe you're not, maybe you're like, yeah, I'm not technically on a diet, but there's, I know there's things I shouldn't be having. That's still preventing you. Quit restricting. Give yourself unconditional permission to eat what you want, when you want. And you might go, Caitlin, that is absolutely unhinged. If I gave myself permission to eat what I want, I would literally never stop. And I know, I know that that is such a valid fear. But let me tell you something. Restricting yourself is what's causing you to go overboard and be out of control with food. Restricting causes binging and overeating. Because you've told yourself six days of the week, I can't have this, I can't have this, I can't have this. On day seven, it's the only thing you want because you've been thinking about it all week. Imagine for the six days of the week, you let yourself have a, the piece of chocolate you've been thinking about. On day seven, you probably don't need six pieces of chocolate because you could have it any other day of the week. And that is a crazy concept if you're brand new to stepping away from diet culture. And it's really, really, really scary. <laughs> it is. It's really, really scary to lean into giving yourself permission to eat. Let me tell you something. You have to do it. Everybody goes through it. I came, I stumbled across a gal, her, her handle's called Food Peace Nutritionist. I, I believe that's it. I'll put it in the show notes. And she talks about the messy middle and what happens in the messy middle when you step away from restricting yourself and you're giving yourself permission to eat everything you want. You're like, well, then I'm going to eat Doritos every single day. That was a food for me that I never let myself have was Cool Ranch Doritos. So as soon as I started giving myself permission to have them, I ate them all the time. I ate them every day for weeks. And you might go, yeah, how is that healthier than dieting? Listen, now I don't need to eat Doritos every single week. In fact, I started to really hate it. <laughs> I started to go, this is too much. And if I can have Cool Ranch Doritos anytime, then I'm just going to wait until I can great until I crave them, actually. It's not a last supper mentality. You don't need to throw them in the trash when you're done. Have a little bit every day. So when you, So it might look like at first, eating Doritos every day. That's the messy middle. And now it looks like eating Doritos every few months when I feel like it. I've just bought them recently. And now I was kind of like, eh, that was a big bag. I'm over it. But you can't get to that point by skipping the messy middle. You can't skip the middle. What happens in the messy middle is you, food starts to lose its power. Food stops being this crazy reward or this crazy restriction. And it starts just being food again. And then you start to learn your hunger and fullness cues. And then you start to learn your actual cravings. And then you start to learn what actually makes you feel good and what doesn't. And it, you're not going to be perfect. 
there's definitely still days where I'm like, oof, I didn't need to do that. And I don't feel really great about it. That's so much less often than going absolutely overboard every week, every few days. Teetering between diet and dieting and overeating. And what happens probably for you and what happened for me when, when you do that is your weight is all over the place. And weight cycling is so much more unhealthy for you than just staying at your previous weight. It doesn't have to be this cycle. There is a happy medium and it's going to be messy for a while. It is, but you have to get through the messy to get to where I'm at now, which is no longer thinking about food every second of the day and no longer just craving the carbs and the cookies and the ice cream. I used to think that was never going to be possible. If I just let myself eat whatever I want, I'm just going to want pizza and pasta every day. Turns out I don't. Our bodies are smarter than we give them credit for. I'm also no longer using the scale to monitor my health or my weight or my confidence or my anything. I don't even have one. I'm so much more present in my relationships, in my friendships, in my marriage, because planning what we do for date night doesn't come with a side of food guilt. Because planning a visit to my in-laws doesn't come with a side of food fear. It's so much more freeing. And here's, here's another major fear. If you're afraid of, Caitlin, if I stop dieting, I'll never stop gaining weight. I know that's so, so scary. It is. And you might even be at a place now where you're like, I can't afford to gain more weight. In fact, I really want to lose weight. And I'm going to tell you again, first of all, that health and weight, not the same thing. Body image doesn't have anything to do with body size. Go back and listen to the body image episode. And if you want to be be healthier, if you're feeling uncomfortable in your current body, focus on the habits. Focus on not how many carbs you can cut out of your day, but how many vegetables you can add. How can you add a little bit more movement in your day? And this may be so repetitive for you, but I need you to hear it. Healthy habits are healthy habits, whether or not they result in weight loss. Moving your body is good for you, period. Not because it makes you smaller, not because It helps you fit a certain aesthetic. Moving your body is good for you, period. Eating vegetables is good for you, period. Drinking water is good for you, period. Getting enough sleep, eating enough food, managing stress, spending more time off of your phone, good things, period. And if your body changes as a result of prioritizing those behaviors, wonderful. And if your body doesn't change as a result of prioritizing your behaviors, that doesn't mean you didn't do them. It doesn't mean you don't get to still experience the benefits of those behaviors. I guarantee you're going to feel better whether or not you quote unquote look better, look different. Okay. And here's another thing. And this is something I learned when I started my binge eating recovery. So you have to bake your cake in the right order. You cannot pursue a smaller body and heal your relationship with food at the same time. Because what you're, what you have to do to pursue a smaller body is in direct conflict with what you have to do to have a healthy relationship with food. So do that first, heal your relationship with food first. And then we can talk about aesthetic goals and then we can talk about body changes and then all of that, but you have to bake your cake in the right order. Okay. I know that was a lot. I know some of this may be brand new information for you. I know some of this may be repetitive information for you. Can't hear it enough. Diets don't work. 
Restriction leads to binging. Your desire to have control around food is what's hurting your relationship with food. Give yourself permission to eat. If you think that you're struggling with a genuine eating disorder, seek help. I'm going to put a bunch of resources, my favorite people to follow, the, the recovery program that I went through, and I'm going to link Evelyn Tribley's book, Intuitive Eating. There's a lot of misinformation out there about intuitive eating. People have started taking that and turning it into a diet. People have started taking that and turning it into a weight loss program. It's not that at all. So get your information on intuitive eating from Evelyn Tribley, the creator of it. I will link her book in the show notes. If you have more questions, I know this may have been a little bit all over the place, but I just, I needed to drill home a few major points here. If you have more questions, feel free to send me a DM. Check out the resources in the show notes. There is life beyond the diet restrict cycle. And there's recovery that is possible. I love you very much. I'll talk to you soon.